you're listening to sermons from Grace Bible Church in Eufaula, Oklahoma. We're a church on mission to glorify God by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ through the power of the Holy Spirit. Learn more at gbcufaula.com. Open your Bible with me to John, 1 John, excuse me. 1 John, chapter 1. kind of laboring for a moment in this section of scripture here I <clears throat> Pastor James called me last week and said I'm going to end at verse 7 and I thought oh, way to jump off the ship right in the middle <laughs> what am I going to do <laughs> but we're, we're going to dive in and, and it's uh it's this is a rich section this is the test it's a test that we need to be familiar with and need to be able to pass and so um this morning we're still on the topic of walking in the light I'm going to begin in verse 5, and I'm going to go through chapter 2, verse 6, because I think that's the big picture, and, and I, I want to see that, but the focus for today is just on verses uh, 6 through 10. So we'll start in verse 5. It says, <clears throat> that's 1 John 1, this is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And by this we know that we have come to know him, if we keep his commandments. Whoever says, I know him, but does not keep his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps his word in him, truly the love of God is perfected. By this we may know that we are in him. Whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your word, Lord. I ask, Lord, that you would help me, uh, a a sinful man, uh, a a simple man, Lord, um, a, a, a faulty man, tasked to proclaim that which is perfect, holy, and without error. Be gracious to me, O God, and help me to proclaim your truth, your word, boldly, uh, truthfully, simply. Father, I pray that you would give all ears to hear your word, Lord, that, that it would not fall on the rocky soil, that it would not fall on the, the soil full of thorns, but that, Lord, your word would, would find fertile soil among all who have ears to hear this morning, Lord. Give us ears to hear, eyes to see. May your word do all that you send it forth to accomplish today, O oh God. 
And may you be glorified in and through the gathering of your saints this day. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're just looking at uh, verses 6 through 10, right? Pastor James mentioned last week here that we see these if uh, if, if so, then what, right? These, these statements that are if and then, if and then. That's the focus for today. And, and what it does uh, in my mind is draw a contrast, right? Uh, contrast is, uh, I don't remember if you had an ancient TV that was, you know, you'd have to turn the contrast up or down, rather make it lighter or, or darker, uh, right. Um, when I think of contrast, I, I think of uh, about two months before uh, Dusty and I got married. Uh, we were uh, I, I was driving through southeastern Oklahoma. I was driving down around the Talamina Drive in that area, a drive I've driven about a thousand times in my life. I work all over and drive a lot. And I've seen the beauty of southeastern Oklahoma in the winter, summer, fall, spring, over and over again. And I got to thinking we were going to go to Hot Springs for a honeymoon. And I thought, you know, it'd be awesome is on our way home instead of taking the fast route. Let's come through southeastern Oklahoma and we'll stay at that lodge up on the Talamina Drive so we can view the beauty of southeastern Oklahoma. So I can show my wife who's not from southeast Oklahoma how beautiful this this is right and so we we leave hot springs on the on the uh, second to the last day and we're going to stay at the at the top of this mountain so that that we can see the beauty that is southeast oklahoma you know there's this big lodge up there we're going to stay the night and so we leave hot springs this is before we had iphones there was a time young people were there were not iphones and uh so we weren't watching the weather closely really and and we get to about mena arkansas and it's rainy we're like, that's okay, you know. Uh, we can still see, and we, we hit the Talamina Drive, and we're driving, and before too long, we are driving in a cloud with visibility of about 30 feet. That's 10 yards, right? At, at worst, 15 feet, like right in front of you. It was, it was, I was driving 15 to 20, and, and, and pretty freaked out. My wife was really scared. It was awesome. And, and so we, we, I see the sign, barely, that says Queen Wilhelmina Lodge, you know, on a left turn, and I can't even see across the street to where we're actually turning in. It was like a test of faith, right? One, is anybody coming? Because I can't see. And two, is that actually the turn in, right? So we go up there and check in, and, and we're there for about 30 minutes. We decided to take a walk around the place, and you can't see nothing. It was like being in the twilight zone. I mean, you can't see a single thing. And I'm like frustrated, right? Because I this this what I love. I love southeast Oklahoma. I love driving it. I love the beauty of looking out across these mountain, this mountain range, right? Seeing the potato hills and, and all of God's creation there that I so love and so uh, have grown up around. And, and, and I wanted my wife to be able to behold this, right? And I'm frustrated because we can't see anything, right? Uh, in fact, we went back to the desk and said, we're just going to check out and take our chances on the road. This is creepy. <laughs> so we, we left and uh, drove very slow all the way home, right? That to say, there was a contrast there, right? What I could see was, was, was in the light, right? In, in the contrast of light, I could see the beauty that God has created. I could see the trees and the mountains and the birds flying over these, these hills. And, and, but my wife's perspective was not quite the same because we were in darkness, 
right? She couldn't behold the same thing. There's a contrast difference, right? And so when we look at our lives, when we examine our lives, there's a test before us today. And the test that is before us today is the sin test. It's the sin test. And so there's a contrast. There is if then, as Pastor James mentioned, right? Uh, and, and so as we look at that, I want to contrast. I want us to show what it looks like to walk in sin and what it looks like to walk in righteousness. What does it look like to walk in darkness? What does it look like to walk in the light? What does it look like when you say you have no sin? And what does it look like when you walk in repentance and faith in Jesus Christ? And that is the contrast I want to draw today. So there's only two headings today. There is uh, what do those who walk in darkness do? And second, what do those who walk in light do? And from that, I hope that we can I hope that we can examine ourselves to see if we be in the faith. And not only that, but to examine ourselves that we might have assurance of the faith that we do have. Right. John here again is addressing uh, the church, likely in Ephesus and, and amongst other churches. And 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 so what has crept in again is this Gnosticism, right? These 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 false teachers have come into the church and they're proclaiming a different Christ in the name of Christ, right? They're 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 speaking of a God uh, who they fashioned in their own imagination, right? They're they are not preaching the biblical gospel. They're not proclaiming the truth that God has proclaimed. They're not proclaiming the truth that the apostles have proclaimed to them through God. Right. And, and he's 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 calling that out. Right. As we said, right. They were Gnosticism, Gnosticists. They were they believed in dualism. They thought that all material things were bad. All spiritual things were good. So if I go and I sin, it doesn't really matter because it's material. I'm spiritual. Right. John's calling that out. First, we saw the doctrinal test. Are you believing in this person, Jesus Christ? Because it's only through him that you can have salvation, right? The only way to the Father is through Christ. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Second is the sin test. What do you do about sin, right? And that's what we see today. First, we see what do those who walk in darkness do? And so I've kind of broken this up a little funny this morning, but we're going to look at verse 6, 8, and 10 first. We're going to go to the, the, the even numbers and then the odd numbers, okay? Verse 6, he says, If we say we have fellowship with him, while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with him, this is somebody who is claiming to have fellowship with God. Right? Claiming to others to have fellowship with God, yet they walk in darkness. And John's saying that they are lying and they do not practice the truth. Right? So the first thing, the first thing that those who walk in darkness do is they lie to others. Right? And, and what is that lie, right? That is that we can walk in darkness and have fellowship with God. That's the lie. The lie is that we can walk in darkness, continue in our sin, and still have fellowship with God. It's not possible. It's a lie, right? Those who walk in darkness lie to others. God is light. 
right? That's what he says. God is light. This is the message John has come to proclaim, that God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. And when God intervenes in our life, what happens? The light shines in us, does it not? The light shines in us. It exposes our darkness. And, and we want to become more like him, right? We want to become like God. We want to be like God. We have a desire to love the things that God loves and hate the things that God hates. We no longer want to continue in darkness. We want to be holy as he is holy because he has called us to do so. Right? If we we say we love him, we ought to act like we love him. Right? Right? I was talking about this with Pastor James this morning, right? He said, if I tell my wife I love her, but I never want to be around her, that's a little awkward, isn't it? If I want no relationship with her, I am not acting upon my words. My actions are not adding up, right? Or not measuring up to my, to my words. Those who would say that they have fellowship with Christ and walk in darkness... The fellowship they confess is built on a lie because they don't put into practice what they confess. Right? How does one who claims to be a Christian but walks in habitual sin cover that sin? They lie about it. Right? They don't have genuine fellowship with God. They don't have genuine fellowship with others, the saints. Right? And and why do they do that? Why do they do that? They want approval. They want man's approval. Right? They see themselves as God. They have made themselves to be God. They have believed the lie of Genesis chapter 3. That they can be like God. And so they live their life as though they are God. How do they justify themselves? By justifying themselves. However they must do so, they lie to themselves. And they have seated themselves in the place of God. They're building their own kingdom. And they lie. To try to get man's approval. Because those who put themselves in the seat of God desire man's approval. The saints of God care not about man's approval, but the approval of God, because it's him whom they must give account. You don't have to give account to me. You have to give account to God, right? They lie about who they are. John 3.21 says, But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Those who walk in the light, they, 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 they live in that light so that all may see clearly that their works have been carried out in God. Those who live the lie, who walk in the lie, fabricate these things. They build a, a, they, they build a personification that is not the truth about their lives. Right? Not only, uh, why do they lie to others? They lie to others because second of all, in verse 8, we see that they've lied to themselves. They're lying to themselves. It says in verse 8, 
If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Right? They lie to themselves. What does Paul say? Romans 3.23. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. Romans 3.10, right? There is none righteous. No, not even one. What category does that put all of us in? The sin category. All have sinned. There is none righteous. What did Jesus say when the rich young ruler came to him? Why do you call me good? For no one is good but God alone. All have sinned. We're all in that category. Right? But we have fabricated in our minds this lie that we can walk in darkness. And when I say we, I'm speaking of those who walk in darkness. Right? Those who walk in darkness have fabricated this in their mind that they can walk in darkness yet still be in right standing or fellowship with God and His, his people. Right? It's, it's like... <laughs> It's, 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 it's like having a million dollar line of credit and telling everybody you're a millionaire. Right? And going out there and, and buying up the lifestyle. Buying up that lifestyle and you look, yeah, you look the part. But it's fake. Right? What you have is debt. That is what sin is. Right? The wages of sin is death. Wages that are owed for what you've earned. The wages of sin is, is death, right? And, and the lies, they just compile and compile and compile. You're incurring debt. David lied to himself. 2 Samuel chapter 11 and 12. I'll summarize. David is on the roof of his house one day. Looks down and on another roof, he sees a woman bathing on the roof, Bathsheba, and she's beautiful, right? And David, rather than turning his head and doing what he ought, he entertains what he's seen, this, this vain imagination of this woman on, on her rooftop bathing, right? The, 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 the uh, lust of the eyes has captivated him, right? He's already sinned. Looked longer, a little longer than he ought. And so then he, he, he thinks on this and he sends for Bathsheba to come to him, right? And when she does, David lies with Bathsheba. Now he's committed adultery because she is a married woman, married to one of David's soldiers, Uriah. So sin has progressed here from... The pride of the eyes, the, the, the lust of the eyes to the lust of the flesh. He's now committed adultery with this woman. Well, then it gets better. She finds out she's pregnant and sends word to David. And David goes, oh, what do I do? Her husband's out to battle. I have to cover my sin. I have to cover my sin. So he calls for Uriah, tells him to come back home and says, go home. Have a break. Right. Thinking that he'll lie with her. We can cover this up that way. But Uriah is a faithful servant. He's a faithful soldier. He will not go home. He cannot go home and, and have comfort in his own home while his brothers are out there on the battle lines and while the men of God are fighting 
for the people of God. And so he stays at the gate in the camp. And David's discouraged about this. So the next night he gets him drunk. Ah, he'll go home now. And he doesn't. He won't do it. And so David calls for his commander and says, I want you to send Uriah to the front. And when the battle's getting thick, I want you to draw back so that he's killed. And it happens. The covering of sin has led from a look to an action of adultery. And to cover his sin, it didn't work. So now he's guilty of murder. The pride of life. period of time goes by and the prophet Nathan comes to David and says I have a story for you there's a rich man and there's a poor man the rich man decides to throw a banquet and he doesn't want to 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 butcher the best of his flock he doesn't want to butcher his lamb so he goes and takes and steals from the poor man his best lamb to butcher for his banquet and David's enraged in anger he stands up Who is this man, right? This man deserves to repay four times what he's taken from that man. Who is this man? And the prophet Nathan says, it's you. David is confronted with his sin, right? You see the progression here? I got to cover this. I got to do something about this. I got to cover my sin. If he would have just confessed his sin from the beginning. Father, I have looked in lust. Forgive me my sin. Grant that I might have the strength to turn away. And not look upon a sister in the manner I have. Be gracious to me, O God, and help me. Rather, he entertains it. And it carries on and carries on. And he continues to try to cover his Sin. Right? There's never enough. There's never enough lies. There's never enough deceit. Right? It just it just it just continues to build and build and build and build. I know people whose entire life is a lie. Like they can't even remember what they've lied about. It's how you know they're lying. Right? I mean, there's just, what world do you live in? Everything's a fabrication. Like, that's got to be miserable. There's no freedom in that. They call God a liar. Those who walk in darkness, they call God a liar. They lie to others, they lie to themselves. And they've lied to God and they call him a liar because they have put themselves in his seat and said, no, you're wrong. I'm right. I am in no need of repentance. I determine the standard. It's a lie. They call God a liar. They make God to be a liar. Why? The one who claims fellowships and walks in darkness is missing out on so much. This is sad. There are millions and millions of people out there walking in darkness, 
and missing out. There are millions and millions of people who grace the doors of the churches and are missing out because they are living a lie. There are entire churches built around the idea of community, of fellowship, and they worship community, not Christ. What unites us is Him. It's Christ. Right? If we have a fellowship of, of, of people who confess to be believers but live like the world, we're all building our own kingdom. We're a bunch of individuals who come together. The church of Christ is built upon the word and the person of Christ. And we are in Him building His kingdom together. It's a big difference. We make Him to be a liar. And miss out on so much. The first thing we miss out on is the blessings of the word of God. And, and, and many of them like to proclaim those blessings. Do they not? Oh, I know the plans he has for me. Prosper me. Give me hope in a future. Oh, he's going to give to me pressed down, shaken together, running over. Oh, the Lord... You know, he, he's going to bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. You have no blessing from the word of God if you don't walk in the truth. Because your life is void of truth. There is no blessing for those who walk in darkness. Everybody wants the benefits of heaven right now on the earth. Forgetting that our rich spiritual blessing is in Ephesians chapter 1. The salvation that he gives. The redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The sealing with the Holy Spirit to an eternal inheritance. That is our pressed down, shaken together, running over. This life's suffering. This life's trouble. And we have to go through it without the blessings of his word. We miss out if we don't live in truth. Number two, we miss out on fellowship with God and his people. We don't have fellowship with God if we're walking in darkness. In fact, many of you blood born-again believers in Jesus Christ who sin know the struggle of approaching the throne of God in your sin. There's a weightiness involved. But we have access through the blood of Christ. And we can come boldly before the throne of grace and plead our case. We have fellowship with one another rich fellowship with one another. I'm not fake. I, I don't pretend. My brother William asked me one time, how you doing, brother? Horrible. I'm doing horrible. And he prayed for me. He encouraged me and changed the trajectory of my day. I have that. If you're in Christ, you have that. You have genuine fellowship. We're going the same direction. We're in Christ. We have put him on his throne. We exalt him, his name, right? We're going to the same place. Those who walk in darkness don't have fellowship with God. They don't have fellowship with his people. And those who walk in darkness 
they lose their character. Right? As their lies pour over the, the their as the lies pour over their so their their soul, it, it, it erodes the very clay that they are made of. Right? That that lies, they just they erode. You ever seen erosion when water just runs over the ground and creates crevices and, and, and can take a beautiful landscape and run it? I remember seeing rivers expand their banks and whole houses just falling over into the river. Right? That's what lies do. They erode away at us. They destroy character. They destroy character. In Romans chapter 1, it begins with suppressing the truth. At the end of Romans chapter 1, it ends with God has turned them over to a debased mind. They're not even capable of thinking anymore. It is dangerous to suppress the truth. It is dangerous to live a lie, right? We must never seek to cover our sins. So what should we do? Confess them. We confess our sins. The next thing we see is, 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 is what do those who walk in light do? Right? Are you a child of the light? Are you a child of the living God? Are you a born-again believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? What should your life look like? Right? Number one, they're truthful with others. Unlike those who walk in darkness, those who walk in light are truthful with others. Look at verse uh, 7. He says, but if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sins. What is truthful? What does it mean to be truthful? It means to live openly. It means to live the truth. It means to... To, I can have genuine fellowship. I can confess my sin to a brother. I don't have to put up some front like I'm somebody I'm not because we're all nothing. God doesn't need you and he doesn't need me. Praise God he decided to use us and call us his own and love us. The only value I have is because Christ has put his seal upon me. That's it. And I can live in honesty. I can be truthful with my brothers and sisters in Christ. The fellowship that we have here is so rich. Right? I can be honest about my sin with my brothers. I can be honest about my vulnerabilities with my brothers and sisters in Christ. If I'm having a good day, I can give glory and praise to God in the presence of my brothers. And they can glory and praise God in and with and for me and with me. If I'm struggling, they can bear with me. They can bear up my, the, my weightiness. They can lift me before the Lord Jesus Christ. They can encourage me. And we're going the same direction. We're one of another. One body. Fellowship means unity. A union. We're united. United. Fellowship. We're one. Right? My knees shattered, my ankle's not much good to me, is it? I need a working body. I need a working body. Right? And how does that how does that happen healthily when we are truthful with one another? 
when we speak the truth in love, when we confront our brothers and sisters in sin, and when we encourage our brothers and sisters. Look, I'm so happy beside myself and thrilled for my brother David and Kim, who have two grandbabies today. For Jessica, Courtney, Tom, Weston, who's not here today. I'm beside myself encouraged and excited. Praise God. Look what he has done. Brought two human beings into the world, into the fellowship. Who we trust and know will grow up in the nurturing and admonition of the Lord. And we can, we can have that kind of fellowship to praise God together for such a thing. When our walk matches our talk, we have genuine fellowship, right? I am no longer the center of my story, but Christ is. Christ is the center of my story. It's not my life. It's his. Paul said, for I have died. I no longer live, but the life I live is Christ. It's Christ in me, the hope of glory. I count my life as nothing. For the sake of knowing Christ. It's his kingdom. Not mine. What happens when we all are of that mindset? What happens when we are all truthful to others in our, in our, in our fellowship and truthful to God in our, in our uh, relationship, in our fellowship? I think I love this picture. This is healthy fellowship. Those who are truthful with one another, walking in the truth with Christ, who is the center of their lives. Acts chapter two, verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching. They were of one mind in doctrine. They believed uh, of the gospel, right? That which the apostles proclaimed was the good news concerning Jesus Christ. They continued. They devoted themselves to the apostle teaching and the fellowship. To the breaking of bread and the prayers. They had genuine communion. A genuine, uh, uh, cons- genuinely consumed by the word of God, right? That came through the apostles. Uh, genuinely uh, devoted in their prayers for one another and for the work of the ministry. And all came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Those who walk in light have that fellowship. Right? Not only are they truthful with others but they're truthful with themselves look at verse 9 he says if we confess our sins let's stop right there if we confess our sins confession of sin is the admission of what we did and the agreement with God that our actions or words were wrong In a court of law, a person who confesses to a crime is agreeing that he or she did in fact violate the standard. 
When we confess our sins, we are admitting that we violated God's law. We admit that we chose to do, say, or think something opposed to God's will, and we stand guilty before him. That is confession. God, I have sinned. I am guilty of this. Right? And what does it take to confess sin? Here's where where we are honest with ourselves. Here's where we're truthful with ourselves. What does it take a man or a woman to confess their sin to God? We have to be honest with ourselves. It takes humility. It takes being honest with ourselves. I told you what David did. Psalm 51 gives the account of his repentance of his sorrow, of his grief over his sin. He says in verse 4, Psalm 51, God against you and you only have I sinned. He recognized that he may be on a throne, but it's a worldly throne, and it's God who put him there, and it is God who is seated upon the ultimate throne, and he put God at the center of his life. He put God as the one who is seated on the throne, and he bowed the knee. You and you alone I have sinned against. Humility. Confession of sin takes humility. It takes being honest with ourselves. Those who walk in the light are honest with themselves. First John 2, 28 and 29 in the next chapter ends with, And now, little children, abide in him so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practiced righteousness has been born of him. Abide in him. That word means to continue. Continue in Jesus so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. Right. We, we have a habit not of habitually sinning. Right. We're practicing righteousness. We're not practicing sin, but we will sin. That's why he says in the next verse, I'm writing these things, my little children, so that you may not sin. But if you do. You have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. Right? And when we go to him and we confess our sin, what does it say? He is just to forgive us of our sin and to cleanse us from our unrighteousness. He is, he is, sorry, faithful. (laughs) That's better. He's faithful. He's faithful to forgive us of our sin. And we have no reason when we walk in the light, when we walk in righteousness, when we confess our sin to the Lord and we continue and we confess and we confess. It's a lifetime of confessing, right? We're growing in grace. It's a practice. We're practicing the truth, right? We don't just start out and and we're perfect. We're practicing the truth, right? Uh, uh, You don't start something. You might know it, but you have to practice it to get good at it. And we practice the truth, and in doing so, we're continually laying our sins before the Lord, confessing our sins, being cleansed of our sins, and walking in Christ. And someday we can stand in confidence at the coming of Jesus Christ, knowing that we are forgiven, that we are cleansed, 
and that we have lived our lives putting him upon the throne. Right. That's the last thing. They glory. uh, They glorify our father, God, in the confession of sin. Those who walk in the truth, those who walk in the light, they give they glorify God, our faithful father, when they confess their sin. God is glorified in the confession of your sin. God is glorified in the confession of your sin, because when you admit that you're wrong before God. You are upholding his law by saying your law is good and right. And when I look in the mirror of your law and see that I am wrong and that I am in sin, I'm here to confess that father. I have sinned. And I am in need of cleansing through your son, Jesus Christ. And the father is glorified in your confession of sin because it points to the person and work of Jesus Christ. It shines light upon the glorious cross of Christ. Look what he says in chapter two, in verse chapter two, my children, I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation of our sins and not for ours only, but also for sins of the whole world. There's bad news. You've sinned. You've broken God's law. The righteous standard that God put forward for your entry into heaven, you've broken. And God is a just God who has to punish sin. And that is a damning message, but there's good news. And this is why God is glorified in our confession of sin, because it points to Christ. It says that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. The debt we owe is death. The wages of sin is death. But there's good news. The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Christ lived righteously. Jesus came, right? He lived righteously, perfectly, by God's standard. And he went to the cross And upon that cross, it says that he is the propitiation for our sins. A propitiation is an appeasement, so to speak. It is a a, a sufficiency. He was a sufficient sacrifice, right? There's no sacrifice that you or I can make that would atone for our sin, that would make up for our sin. God will crush us. We're standing in the wrath of God in our sin. And there's nothing you can do to satisfy God because you've already sinned. We come into this world sinners. There's no hope outside of Christ. Christ lived righteously. He was the propitiation. He was the satisfactory one. He was the sufficient one. He is the one who was able to appease the wrath of God. And by the shedding of his blood on the cross, it was a sufficient, it was a sufficient work to justify sinners so that when we believe upon the Lord Jesus Christ, our advocate When the Father looks upon us, He sees the perfect Son of God. 
His righteousness is counted to us by faith and our sin is placed upon His cross. You can continue in sin or you can see your need for the salvation that He gives because all are standing in the wrath of God apart from Christ. There's nothing you can do but see your sin. Do you see your sin? Confess to the Lord your sin and believe that Jesus Christ, the all-sufficient sacrifice, was enough. You put your faith in Him and He will put your sin upon His cross and grant you His righteousness as a free gift. That's the simplicity of the gospel of Jesus that will transform you from the inside out to make you one who walked in darkness to now walk in light. Give you hope in a future. Right? In conclusion, confession of sin is the test of salvation. Confession of sin is the test of of salvation. Are you hiding? Do you put up a front? Are, are you lying to others about who you are? Are you lying to yourself? Because if you are, you're calling God a liar. It's a dangerous place to be. I encourage you to put him in his rightful place, to give him glory by confessing your sin and looking to Jesus, the one who lived and died for those who would believe upon him, who would pardon them from their sins. This is also not only a test of salvation, but it's a model of assurance. Is this you? You walking in truth? Are you walking in the light? Is repentance, is confession of sin and repentance an active part of your life? When you sin, are you confessing that sin to the Father and trying to turn from that sin, pleading with God to help you in that endeavor? Do you have relationship? Uh, do you have fellowship with, with God and with His saints that, that help to hold you up and encourage you and even hold you accountable and pray for you? Then you're walking in the light and you have assurance of salvation because only the Holy Spirit at work in the inner man can cause you to confess sin, turn from it. Only the Spirit can empower you to live in such a way that glorifies God. What assurance we have. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for your grace. Father, I pray that if anyone is here and does not know you, if there is anybody here that is miserable in their sin, who looks at the world right now and, and sees turmoil and chaos. That is the definition of the world, oh God, cosmos. It's, it's, it's the world and Satan is the God of this, this world. He's obviously at work 
And we, we live our lives in opposition of this world. And Father, I, I, there are many who, who, who don't. There are many who are going along with the things of this world and they're miserable in their sin. They have no hope in this world. And if there is any in this room today, oh God, that is living in that misery, that is living without hope in this life, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would convict their heart of their sin and that you would shine the light of Jesus Christ. The cross of Christ may be illuminated in their hearts and minds that they might believe the good news of Jesus Christ and be saved from their sins. Father, I pray for all who are here, Lord, that are struggling with with. with with lies, right? Or maybe who have in the past um, lived a false life and they're trying, Lord, to, to, to turn that around or you have led them here. Father, I pray that your grace would be poured out upon them, Lord, that, that you would help those who, who struggle uh, uh, to, to walk in the truth, Lord. Sanctify them, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen us all in the truth of your word. Sanctify us, O oh God. I thank you for the assurance you give, Lord, that we can examine this text, Lord. We know that, uh, we, know that uh, we don't measure up. But we know that we, as we continue to look to you, Jesus, and as, and as our life uh, is, is, a, is, is a continuous confession of sin and turning from that sin and growing in, in grace, and then we sin and we confess and we... We repent and turn from that sin and we grow a little more in grace. If this is the pattern of our lives, Father, we thank you for the assurance that you give us. We bless you, O oh God. We thank you for Christ. Thank you for your word. Grow us. In Jesus' name, amen.